0: Hey, y'all, welcome to Adventures with Aggie brought to you by the Ryan Martin Foundation. Today, we're featuring the CFO of Performax, Chris Comer. Please welcome Chris. Well, Chris, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful. How are you today?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me. I'm excited to get to know lots more about you, your story, and Performax. Um, But first, could you just kind of give me some background into who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. I am just the, uh, a regular guy in Michigan here, so uh, no Chris Comer, uh, born and bred in West Michigan. I'm here now, uh, sitting by the lake at the house, so, um, and I just kind of, this is my remote headquarters uh, for for what we do in adaptive sports, and, um, you know, I was, I was hurt in a boating accident as a child, uh, I was nine years old, and, and uh, in opened up a world of adaptive sports to me and uh, wheelchair basketball was my sport of choice. And, uh, and it's really just been a big part of my entire life now as a, you know, as a amputee and uh, and a mentor for, I hope many, you know, it's, it's kind of my life's mission to to be out there and help other people. Right. And, uh, and show them the way, whether it's adaptive sports or living with an amputation or, you know, someone that's faced with something. I'm a dad. You know, most importantly, so I have three wonderful children here, and then, uh, and then a business, right, with Performax. So um, my wheelchair basketball career kind of created all these uh, amazing opportunities, and one of them uh, was to be a part of Performax wheelchairs uh, as a user, and then uh, it segued into ownership. So I've been, uh, I've been involved with ownership with the business now since 2010. Uh, me and my, me and my wonderful partner Willie Hernandez I don't know if uh, he's been spotlighted on here but he's great as well as uh, Jason Helms and uh, yeah we've been just trying to tackle you know the uh, adaptive sports community one chair at a time and and helping and touching one life at a time uh, you know is mostly is is all we can do right and and those small pieces uh, end up turning into something much bigger we're proud to be a part of that so
0: that's awesome, so many things. You, you must be busy, family, business, playing. You're still playing with your basketball as well. Uh, lots going on,
1: <laughs> yeah. Trying to play, uh, you know, through the t- pandemic, it's been interesting. Um, we've been blessed to have some gym time, and I'm um, actually taking off next weekend to go to Dallas and uh, play in the DK3 on um, three tournament. So um, it's an annual tournament that, uh, Dave Kiley hosts and this one will be a cool one too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of prize money on the line and a lot of really good athletes coming out. So it'll be a fun, fun, uh, outing and, and fun to get back on the court with, you know, my buds and my peers and my people.
0: For sure. Awesome. Cool. I guess I want to backtrack a little bit. Can you tell us like how you first got involved with wheelchair basketball? How did you find the sport?
1: Yeah. So, um, I was nine years old. That's, you know, that's, that's 1995 uh, to, you know, for perspective. And I was in a voting accident. Right. And um, had a really, you know, great support system of family and people. And You know, I was introduced to adaptive sports and uh, a wheelchair sports camp here in West Michigan um, shortly after my injury. And it was uh it was an opportunity to get in a wheel, like a sports wheelchair and try a bunch of different sports. Um, you know, I was one of the younger kids there, but there was a lot of, um, you know, older kids there that had been, you know, competing or playing in their own sports for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, I was introduced to, you know, all the adaptive sports, if you will, at that time that were available and, uh, wheelchair basketball was what obviously stuck for me. Um, you know, that I went on to play that next season and, uh, in, you know, really didn't, didn't understand what I was starting, right. Because it's kind of become a, a you know, a lifetime thing now. So,
0: Yeah, you never realize that first step or that first touch of something, how much it might evolve into, which is super cool. I think I did the same with this show. I had no idea that we would be 30-something episodes in and maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 of those have been about wheelchair basketball, which is so exciting. (laughs) I love it. But um, awesome. Okay, let's talk about Performax a little bit. How did you first join the Performax family?
1: right. So that's kind of in touch with, you know, like my basketball career. So I start playing in 1995 and six, you know, 1997, uh, um, teammates with somebody that a lot of people might understand is Paul Schulte. My coach is Lee Montgomery, uh, to, to like kind of leaders and mentors for me. Um, you know, Paulie went on to go on to college, uh, and, and Lee is still my coach to this day. Um, but both of them kind of propelled me through wheelchair basketball And what that created was, uh, a problem with my equipment, right? Um I was having a hard time with my chairs holding up to the level of play that I was getting to. Uh specifically in like my teenage years. Um and I was starting to prepare to go to college and um and I was introduced to Performax by a, a close friend that that I grew up with in West Michigan uh, that we also went to UTA. He was an amputee Joe Bermania. And um I was a consumer first right so I met my I met Willie uh, and was, got my first Performax chair. I think this was uh, 2002, right? So the company was maybe two or three years old at the time, um, you know, and something in my head, all oh, this, you know, this guy makes wheelchairs. This is amazing. I can like, you know, tell him what I want uh, specifically. So, um, you know, we made a custom chair and, and it was good. Um, but where I live here in West Michigan, my family is involved in manufacturing. Um, so my dad and, it would, it would take my chair and help make improvements to things right that we were having issues with um just because i was playing on a, a junior team i was playing on a men's team and then i also was a part of uh like the the development usa stuff at the time right so every weekend uh, i had a game or i was playing at high level and you have to show up ready to play right your equipment gets beat up um you know if, if our audience understands wheelchair basketball they know it especially if any of them have seen me play they would understand um so that all just kind of developed into a relationship with Willie uh at a young age. And he he was, you know, really helpful with me and my equipment. And um and I was able to, you know, help him uh, you know, get more customers. I I would help him, you know, I would influence like others to get the similar setups that I have or a chair from them. Um, you know, so I did some sales stuff for them and and eventually it turned into an opportunity to become his business partner, right? So it was amazing. And that was about 10 years, you know, they were 10 years into their business, right? Um, I'd been involved with it for a good portion of that already, just as a consumer and um, supporting the brand and the product, right? Um, and then and then once I was able to come on board, we, we brought in a, a, you know, a nice team. There's, was, there was, you know, some existing employees that are fantastic that are still there today and then mesh that with our, you know, with our new team. Um And it's been, it's been great. You know, it has its struggles like any business, uh, you know, you, you have to kind of keep on that grind and, and, uh, you know, I wear many hats within the organization. So it's kind of jumping from one thing to the next and and hoping that you're getting everything taken care of. You know, our number one is our customer, right? Is, is we're a direct to consumer wheelchair manufacturer, if you will. Um, so our most important, person in this whole component is our customer, right. And making sure they're happy with the product that we're providing the service that we're providing and in, you know, we're, we're prideful of, of how we produce the chair to, you know, to withhold that customer's lifestyle, just like myself. And what I went through, you know, with the evolution of our sports chairs and what setups work and what is isn't going to break or leave you stranded in a championship game or in a crucial moment, uh, you know, with equipment, that's not ready for that so
0: definitely so it's all about the consumer can you tell us a bit about the performax athletes i guess kind of just describing the people and what they do and who they are that use these chairs
1: i mean it's it's an active disabled individual you know that that uh is parenting on the weekends and you know and uh and playing on the weekends right it could be everything so um just really you know for that young freshly disabled individual To know that, man, there's equipment out there that's going to allow me to still get out to my kids' soccer game, still going to allow me to go strap up and compete in wheelchair tennis or basketball or football or something and have that extracurricular. It's going to open up a whole world of other individuals that are maybe in similar circumstances and a new peer group of people that are going through things that can understand and relate. You know, of course, we have our loved ones and our family you know, in, in that support system, you know, but also as a disabled individual, it's important for me to have other people that I know that I'm close with that are amputees or going through similar things because you can talk about things on a different level in um, an understanding and not of like someone feeling bad or seeing, oh, you're you in a wheelchair, I you know, I, that, what a shame. That's a, It's, you know, those people can relate to those things and that's the stigma we want to break. Right versus like you talk the you know the nitty gritty or the functionality of what you're going through and those nuances of each individual disability. So it's good to have a friend or a peer with that and that's what I think the sport kind of opened up is is uh, opportunity for that and, and I think that's a huge benefit right of adaptive sport in wheelchair basketball as a whole.
0: Definitely, I'm getting um, lots of Matt Scott vibes listening to you speak. Y'all are speaking a very similar way about the the Performax family and things, which I love. I also interviewed him, and he was um, awesome. But that's say, very similar. Um, I guess pride in the company as well. I'm proud. Of, proud of the yeah. Him. Well,
1: like a, he's like a brother from Michigan for me too, right? We <laughs> we grew up we grew up as like you know playing together or in against each other every single weekend. Right. And, uh, and now that relationship is, is strong. Right. You know, I think Willie saw stuff in him at a young age and we were both coming up, uh, together that, that, that generation of player that came through that timeline. Um, there's a, there's a lot of greats, right. And and a lot of them actually came from Michigan, you know, so you're touching on Matt Scott. I touched on Paul Schulte. There's, you know, there's a lot of other people that are big players in wheelchair basketball world still today that are in the Michigan area. So that's cool. And, and a lot of them are Performax supporters, you know, you know, Bushy that's coaching university of Illinois program. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're a huge, huge asset to our, to what we do as well. We're happy to support a lot of these universities and, and, and a lot of these people, you know, that we grew up with are, are now in in these positions where they're coaching and they're pro- running programming and, and creating, you know, series, right. And allowing us all to have our platform and, and, and show, you know, what we're doing so
0: definitely I love that I I didn't realize when I started this journey how big adaptive sport was in Michigan I didn't know that that was I guess kind of a hub I think maybe Midwest kind of I'm not sure I feel like I hear a lot of things in Ohio or Illinois as well kind of in that area but I had no idea and I think that's so cool that um so many of these big names have come out of Michigan as well
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, Mary Freebed has a rehab hospital here in West Michigan and they have a lot of programming for all adaptive sports and it's starting from entry level kids all the way on through right so there's a lot of opportunities. I know the Detroit area has had a lot of uh, different programs and teams throughout the years as well. Um, You're starting to see interest now with the universities. uh, University or Michigan State University has been doing adaptive sports for over a decade now uh, which is great to see they have you know sheds full of chairs and equipments that are there for adaptive athletes not as well as the able-bodied community right because that experience that someone has in college uh if if there's a you know if there's a wheelchair sports team on campus or you know an opportunity for them I think that sticks when they go on to the OTs and PTs and and uh You know, program directors and gym teachers or whatever, they implement those things, you know, down the road. So it's really cool to see, um, you know, we've had elementary and middle schools buying sports chairs for just programming, PE programming, right? A kid in the district has a disability, let's have extra equipment available so we can, you know, do that peer-to-peer, right? That's what we talk about is so important. Uh, Let let those other, you know, those able bodied kids experience, uh, you know, a sports chair and not not like a hospital chair or something clunky, right? Oh, I've been in a wheelchair at my grandma's or I was at the hospital. No, like an actual, you know, piece of equipment that's built to compete is, you know, I think it's eye-opening for everyone to experience, so.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree. I think that's awesome. I wish that more people had that. I wish that more people had that opportunity, you know? I think that would be really great for, um, I guess, raising the awareness of adaptive sport in, or everywhere, not just within the sport itself. But um, I guess I want to kind of jump to, some questions that some people submitted online, like from our listeners, which is super fun. Um, But I think everybody's super excited about this series of Performax. And they want to kind of know where Performax is going or if there are any goals within the next few months or years, however you want to take this question, feel free. Um, But yeah, what's kind of coming up next for Performax?
1: Well, there's just a, it's been a boom, I feel like in adaptive sports, right? And, And the pandemic has been, has been good in a sense because it's, I think, forced people to, to, you know, continue to improve themselves if they can. And if they can do that through equipment, that's great. So, you know, one milestone uh, that we, you know, we're kind of ending is this year was a big preparation year for us for Tokyo, right. Making sure all of our athletes were ready to go. Uh, Not only in the U.S., you know, there's athletes around the world, uh, but specifically, you know, equipment wise, right. Making sure that everyone's stuff is ready to go. And, and, uh, and then, you know, moving forward is is okay how can we continue to support you know now now it's a rebuilding situation you know not only are we supporting those entry-level kids getting them in equipment finding grants you know finding you know we have amazing partners in a different you know all these different communities that are that are so focused on helping kids start out these adaptive sports you know um and where that goes for them is just so exciting right there's so many opportunities and avenues now um So, you know, it's obviously bigger for us than just how many chairs that we can build per week, per month, per year. Obviously, that's a big, important part of our business because we want to give back and we want to help all this, you know, but at the end of the day, Performax isn't, we're a small business, right? You know, it's, we have 15 employees, uh, you know, and and they work, they're very hardworking individuals. So, you know, a lot of the glory, you know, goes to those guys for helping us create, you know, and produce this equipment. That's impacting lives, right? It's such a bigger purpose. Um, but you know, moving forward is—it's just continue to innovate and uh, and, and adapt, right? Uh, you're faced with different struggles every day. That there's different disabilities that we want to, you know, provide better setups around. There's better materials that we're out there that we're pursuing to to produce our equipment with. So that constant progression and improvement is is something that's kind of always at the performax. Uh, you know, spirit, right. We're, we're always wanting to improve and we know there's always ways to do things better, uh, internally, externally within the business on the business. Um, you know, obviously, uh, getting the word out right about what we do is huge. And, and it's amazing now that we have, you know, the platforms we do to continue to reach people, um, you know, it, and, and, grow our brand and grow, you know, what our brand is about. So, um, biggest thing for us moving forward i think is just to continue to support those who support support us right um those individual athletes and those individual programs that have you know have fundraising you know goals and targets to meet or whether it's equipment or helping out you know sponsoring snack time at a tournament any of that kind of stuff right we 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 want to make uh contributions back as much as we can um obviously you know, it can only be so much, but it's it's great people and partners that support us, right? That help us give back, and and I think that's what's the most important is is just continuing to take care of our community and and not be gimmicky or understand. I mean, we are a group of disabled individuals producing chairs for disabled individuals, right? Understanding uh, all those needs and specific requirements. I'm not saying every single person in a wheelchair is like appropriate for Performax. There's there's you know there's different I guess, silos of wheelchair users. Right. Um, But it's not, we're not only athletes and we're not all, you know, it's active disabled individuals and it can be everywhere from your sports chair. If you're trying to compete for, you know, gold medals in, you know, Paris or LA, or if you are freshly injured and you want to, you know, experience adaptive sports at an entry level. Right. So that's one thing too, is like, we don't ever want to be exclusive to anybody or, you know, Oh, Performax is only like, you know, high performance athlete. No, we are for everybody. You know, we put two-year-old kids in wheelchairs, uh, you know, that that other people won't, right? Because the healthcare system or, or structure isn't structured. Oh, your two-year-old kid doesn't need a wheelchair. You don't know if they're going to walk. Well, this kid I know can move around and can play and interact with their other kids at slash tables and all those other. So um, that's the biggest thing, right? Is like people embracing the wheelchair as a, as like, a tool, right? To get where you need to go. That's, that's the most important thing. It's been a tool for me my entire life, right? I I was introduced to wheelchair basketball. Yes, that sport was amazing, but that wheelchair has been a tool. It's been a tool to, you know, to make friends, to compete, to play at a high level, you know, to wear USA on my chest, to go to college. Um, And now it's a tool to, to, to produce and help others. Right. Um, And I think, I hope other people can listen to that and that triggers something in them understanding, like, yeah, this wheelchair is a tool, right? It's a tool for me to be independent. It's a tool for me to be competitive. It's a tool for me to to get an education or, uh, you know, and and that's all kind of embodied into success, right? And so that's what we want, is we want our users to, to be successful in whatever they do. And we want that chair to help them get there, you know, so.
0: For sure. I hear the passion and drive. Just from hearing you talk about it, I can tell that you really mean it. And I think that that's true for everybody I've spoken to in this series as well. But um, I love it. I love the passion. I'm all for it. I can't wait to see what happens in the next few years, too. I know there's going to be lots of exciting things. And I'm super excited. When I was watching Tokyo, I was up, you know, in the middle of the night, like I'm sure everybody else was watching these games. And I was like, "Performax, like I see them everywhere now. And that's actually what made me reach out. (laughs) But um, I
1: appreciate that all
0: over the court. I love it. But well, we worked
1: hard to do that. And, you know, and and that's, that's to the players, right? Like there's no, or, you know, they, they earned their position there. Um, you know, they worked super hard to get there too. And, and, you know, a lot of those guys we've been supporting for, you know, a long time, if not their entire careers. Right. So when you talk about evolution of equipment in evolution of athlete, right, you have to make sure that your equipment stays up to where you are athletically and where you can, where you, where you're going, you know, so, um, I think you saw that perfect mesh, right? Of you know that chair and body becoming one, and especially seeing it at that highest level, it's it's really impressive and it's great and, and amazing to see, and uh, and hopefully it's like shocking when people see the speed and the the precision involved with the game, right? And how this equipment is just enhanced that, you know. So I think that as you see evolution in you know, wheelchairs, you know, the athlete too, right. You're seeing all, you know, all these world records happen, all these things because, you know, we're training smarter, harder. We're understanding, you know, all those components, maximizing every single thing. And whether it's, you know, incremental increases, uh, you know, in the chair or your physicality or your diet or your sleep or your hydration, right. All that stuff kind of combines. And I think it's great to see, you know, athletes understanding that the that the importance of your chair setup is almost as important as all your other preparations um matt you know spent all summer working on a new setup to go to tokyo and uh and that's great to see athletes you know athletes have that option with us right like he kind of moved to texas we worked on these setups and you know other athletes too you know he's not the only one that we provided chairs for but you know when you're when you're when you're working with that level of precision and, and, you know, athletes that are looking for a certain feel that feedback and that interaction is so important, you know, so.
0: For sure. For sure. I love it. Um, Awesome. I have two questions for you. Two questions left. These are the last two that I wrap up every episode with. Um, But first, could you kind of tell us about an important person or maybe a mentor or somebody who's kind of helped guide you in your wheelchair basketball career?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, two people really stick out, if that's okay, if I can throw two. Yeah, and and one, sure. I'm still in communication with it almost daily, uh, Lee Montgomery. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame wheelchair basketball player, sit volleyball player, tennis player, uh, local to here, uh, or, you know, to West Michigan, I should say, and, and I think a legend within the adaptive sports community. And I feel so lucky and blessed to have him close. I mean, I mean, I, I named my my kid after him, uh, McCoy Montgomery Comer. Uh, so you know, we're we're close. And uh, and he's he's just been there, you know, for basketball for life. Um, just it's so much more than just a basketball coach, right? Um, in, 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 t- in tying into that, it, you know, Paul Schulte was a big part of of what I could what I saw as potential and where wheelchair basketball could bring me. You know, I was a kid. And he was graduating and going to college for a full ride, and I was on his team. And I could would watch these things, and I would be totally amazed and in awe, right, of him and Lee, for that matter, at that timeline. Um, so not only as a basketball player, but then as a person, right? To so going to college, become an engineer, and he, you know, and and he's, you know, the GM for top end wheelchairs, right? So I mean, you would think that would be a, you know, a rivalry. It's not. I don't look at it like that. I mean, you know, he's he's kind of we're in the same market, right? we're we're, we're producing wheelchairs. Um, you know they make amazing hand cycles and racing chairs, things that we don't offer at Performax. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, it's him showing the way. And then obviously my partner Willie, you know, has kind of has been involved with with that from the start too. So I mean, there's I, it's hard to just say one person, right? Because I feel so lucky. I've had so many amazing people along the way that have taken me under their wing a little bit and showed showed me a way or a direction. And I'm and that's that's wheelchair basketball, right. And that's wheelchair sports and adaptive sports that brought me into that. So, um, but those two people specifically stick out and, then, you know, hopefully me and Willie are still writing our, our storybook, you know, and in our success story and in our impact, you know, that we were able to make on this, you know, it's been 21 years of grind for him, you know, a little, you know, 11, 12 for me now on this, um, you know, so so hopefully we just continue to make those impacts, right. And create other mentors for people down the road, you know, um, I'm sure there's a lot of kids that look up to Matt Scott and Steve Serio and our athletes, you know, Brian Bell and in the, in you know, the ladies, Rose Hollerman. I mean, there's, there's, there's people now for these younger girls to look up to Darlene Hunter. And if and she's been on, and, you know, the, her message is always so powerful and so important for young ladies to hear um, Steph Wheeler at U of I too. Right. So all those people, um, can be amazing mentors. Anyone that's listening to this, and in, in you know, for for every, every walk of life, for sure. So
0: definitely, definitely, I love it. I think that's a great thing that you can't just pick one person, right? The the circle's big. Which yeah, is
1: awesome. yeah, yeah. I wish I had notes. I could just yeah. like, you know, like a Grammy award winner, you know, post uh, sure. post interview. I want to thank this person, this person, this person. So
0: I love it. Awesome. Uh, last question for you. What is one piece of advice you would give to younger Chris?
1: Yeah, you know, those that's that's tough. But I think it would always just be like trust, trust the process, and trust your instincts, right? Um, you know, looking back, I think so many people, including myself, they they struggle with like the uncertainty or you know, or you know, where to go. Am I making these right decisions? And I can say, you know, trusting your instincts is good, you know, clearing your mind, trusting your instincts and and what your, you know, what your heart and your mind kind of tell you is right. Um, You know, a lot of times younger people tend to like look outward for the, you know, the answers that they need uh, versus inward, right? Um, So yeah, no one's going to tell you the secret recipe for success. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of your own internal thing um you know trying to make clear concise decisions in, in you know trusting in yourself and in, in your work and your work ethic your instincts all of those things i think are super important um you know there's times yeah as a as a younger man you know you're very uh, tense and and, you know urgent about things and and re- wanting to make things happen you know take action before you know uh really thinking things through so you know slow down a little bit and think through Um, I want to say that in the basketball side of things, though, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be slowing things down. If anyone, if anyone that I play with, you know, I would say continue to go hard, you know, hard in the paint all the time. is the way to go on the court for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The balance, right? (laughs) The balance. (laughs) Right,
1: right. That's the outlet, you know?
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love ending the show on this question too, because hopefully, I don't know, there's some, a young athlete or something that needs a little bit of motivation and this is what they can take away at the very end but um yeah. thank you so so well, much if they're
1: horrible decision makers then yeah. don't trust <laughs> your instinct. you know
0: <laughs> i love it also thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story i appreciate you giving, giving me some of your time today
1: yeah no worries and uh, i look forward to you know seeing the episodes and and uh and sharing all of you know the amazing stories and, and content that you've been creating
0: so Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show to share your story and the story of Performax. Join us next week for another episode of Adventures with Aggie powered by Performax.